Hi, this is Daniel Williams, host of the MGMA Insights Podcast. I want to share an exciting offering from MGMA, the Transformative Healthcare Delivery Certificate Program. It's an in-depth online learning experience December 6th through the 7th that provides healthcare leaders with a mastery of accountable care organizations, clinically integrated networks, commercial value-based care programs, and CMS's value-based care programs, including MIPS and APMs. So go to mgma.com events to attend this certificate program December 6th and 7th. And now, on to our podcast. From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. So ultimately, I think mental health has not necessarily gotten the amount of attention uh, that it has needed throughout the decades. This has been historically a space that's been really underfunded and left as an aside, maybe brushed under the table. Um, So I think if we um, dedicate specific monies to invest in uh, mental health and um, really provide programming uh, around this, we can evolve um, the care extensively and have some success. That's Natalia Shigel, Director of Operations, Psychiatry and Behavioral Medicine, Corwell Health, talking about the need for better funding for mental health programs. We'll hear more from Natalia in just a moment, but first, a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Zoll Data Systems AR Optimization Solutions for Healthcare. Zoll AR Boost Tools find, verify, and correct patient demographic and payer information to reveal patients' unique financial characteristics and improve self-pay conversion. Visit zoldata.com slash ARBoost to learn how you can ensure no payments are left on the table. Are you looking to strengthen your medical practice by boosting practice profitability and streamlining communications with payers and patients? Veridom PayerPath is an end-to-end revenue cycle management suite of solutions. Veridom PayerPath integrated solutions or practice management agnostic, interfacing seamlessly with all major PM systems. PayerPath delivers higher than a 98% first pass clean claims rate and reaches a network of over 3,100 payers. For more information, go to veradime.com. Our guest today is Natalia Shigel, Director of Operations psychiatry and behavioral medicine at Corwell Health. Natalia is this year's recipient of the MGMA Harwick Innovation Award for her work in mental health programs and suicide prevention. Natalia, thanks so much for joining us today. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so you are the Director of Operations, Psychiatry and Behavioral Medicine at Corwell Health. First of all, just give us an idea of the size and scope of this practice and uh, just give us some ideas there, what you guys do. 
Yeah, sure, absolutely. So uh, Cornwall Health is a 60,000 plus um, employee health system across the state of Michigan. We're pretty large. We offer um, all services. We also have an insurance arm called Priority Health. But specifically for psychiatry behavioral medicine, we have about 70 providers and 50 staff members providing services that range from inpatient psychiatry consults to outpatient psychiatry, psychotherapy, testing. And we also have very robust telemedicine services for those communities that are uh, further out in our rural areas in West Michigan. Okay. Now, I've read a lot of research studies about Americans' mental health, behavioral health, how there have been some spikes uh, during the pandemic time. What's it been like at Corwell Health? How, how have you guys had to handle that? Yeah, you know, I think uh, these past two years have been extremely challenging for us as a health system, for our communities. Uh, from a behavioral health perspective, I can tell you the needs are just increasing. Um, every single day we are seeing uh, more folks needing services and more folks being in crisis. Um, you know, prior to the pandemic in one of our outpatient practices, for example, we would have a crisis situation maybe once or twice a month. Today, unfortunately, that, that happens daily. And so uh, we are seeing that our uh, the acuity and the needs of our, our communities are increasing. And we really have to think creatively and innovatively because um, we, we also know that nationally there's a scarcity uh, in uh, behavioral health providers. And so um, how do we continue to develop programs and increase those services for a community that really needs them when uh, resources are, are not as plentiful? Hmm. Well, as director of operations, then what, what's your primary role there? Or is that some of the things you're trying to solve some of those issues of the volume that you're having? And I know that I am curious as well. Uh, I know staffing shortages are plaguing healthcare organizations around the country. Is, is that impacting y'all as well? Yeah, so my role here, I, I'm responsible for the strategic planning, the business operations and financial management functions for psychiatry behavioral medicine. So I really, I feel like today I am a collaborator um, and a program develop uh, and in program development uh, for the entire community. I think Previous to COVID, my role wasn't as focused on partnering with external organizations as it is today, but we've realized that um, the beha behavioral health is such an uh, epidemic in our country that it really takes a village to problem solve and identify uh, the appropriate interventions. So that is what I focus my time on. And in terms of staffing, yeah, we've really had to consider different ways of providing services. Uh, we've uh, talked about um, using different types of licensures for different things, making sure folks are working to the top of their licensure, uh, developing programs that are uh, reachable by those that um, are in more rural areas. So telemedicine has been, uh, frankly, a big gift to us. One of the things you had asked how COVID has impacted the space, I will say the one positive out of COVID is that we learned how to use our technology 
And for psychiatric behavioral medicine, where you don't necessarily have to have hands on a patient at all times, um, we've been able to uh, reach our patients in their homes, in their cars, wherever they are in the state. And uh, that has been, I think, uh, that has lessened some of the stressors and the barriers to care that we've seen previously. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that and for the work that y'all are doing, because I, I'm not in that clinical side of it, but I, in researching for MGMA, I've read the different reports and just the spikes in mental health issues and uh, the behavioral health challenges that practices like yours are faced with. So thank you for the work you're doing. Um, so I, I wanted to shift gears a little bit here and just announce to our audience here that you're the most recent recipient of the Harwick Innovation Award. You received this in Boston um, at MGMA's Leaders Conference. Congratulations on receiving that honor. Oh, well, thank you so much. I am so deeply honored and very, very thankful to MGMA for recognizing that um, there is a lot of innovation that needs to take place in this space. Um, and certainly to, to Corwell Health for helping me, uh, be, allowing me really to, to serve in this position and, and do this work every day. It's really been um, a, a wonderful experience. Mm -hmm. You were providing us with some of the statistics of some crisis uh, behavioral health situations, how those have spiked. Uh, I want to mention, really, <laughs> the reason you won this award is because of something you helped uh, spearhead and develop at Corwell Health. It was the development of a suicide prevention program. Tell us about that program and um, what some of the steps and processes are in getting it up and running. Sure, sure. So we, we wanted to launch this and this program has been in existence for about six or seven years now. And Corwell Health uh, saw very early on that uh, mental health is part of treating the whole person, right? Uh, we know that you go in for your physical and um, you get checked for all the physical uh, ailments you might be um, undergoing, but we really need to do the same thing from a mental health perspective. Uh, suicide, unfortunately, is the second leading cause of death for ages 10 to 34. And uh, we know that 50% of those that die by suicide saw a healthcare provider within one month of their death. And so we really have a significant opportunity when we see the patients that we see every single day um, and saving their lives. Um, so how do we do this effectively? And so um, Corwell Health developed uh, an algorithm and we've coined the term blue envelope. And the way it started is that it was a physical blue envelope that contained all of the resources a staff person, a provider would ever need whenever they were confronted with a patient that was exhibiting signs of suicidality. Um, so even in a specialty, let's say that doesn't um, encounter this every single day, like orthopedics, uh, a staff person could pull out that blue envelope and know what to do in the moment. Um, and so later over the years, we've developed that uh, blue envelope. It's still coined the blue envelope, but it's now electronic. It's embedded within our electronic medical record system. And uh, everyone across the organization has been trained on this blue envelope protocol, which essentially keeps the patient safe 
um, whenever there is suicidality involved. Um, so uh, we are now looking at this program and seeing how can we use this and help others use it in our community. So we've launched a school blue envelope version, which trains faculty and staff on um, the very same algorithm, how to keep students safe so that um, we don't um, escalate crises and we really equip students and patients early on with inter interventions so that they can stabilize much faster. Okay, give us an, a further idea then, what are those algorithms looking at? I mean, just so we can understand a little bit better how, how the whole process works then. Yeah, so we essentially started with a screening process in many of our areas. It, was, it first launched in primary care, and now we're, we're in all of our specialty areas within our ED, our inpatient floors. Um, and so it starts for screening for um, behavioral health and uh, suicidality. And from there, if a patient identifies as having suicidality, um, there is a, additional assessments and risk stratification and interventions that are embedded so that we keep that patient safe. Mm -hmm. I want to bring in a personal story and, and just get your background or your thoughts on how this, how this weighs out. But you were talking about students. Um, when I was a junior in high school, I had two of my classmates take their own lives a couple of months apart. Um, is there any, uh, I don't know how related or unrelated that is, but do you have, for lack of a better term, a, a copycat type situation ever when you have one student at a school take a life and then you see this spread a little bit or is there is there something in your algorithm or research that shows that yeah so um we haven't specifically researched uh the the trending and the impacts of that but we we have seen it uh, unfortunately in a couple scenarios in our west michigan community where one school may have a couple of deaths uh, by suicide, unfortunately, pretty close together. And so there might be something to that. What we train on is really the early signs of uh, these behaviors that could become even, uh, that could lead to crisis. And so faculty and staff with our uh, protocols are feeling a lot more confident in how to address these behaviors in the moment. Um, especially when you don't, you're not a clinician, you don't see this every single day. It can be very uncomfortable to address students that are maybe voicing um, some uh, thoughts of suicidality. And so our algorithms allow them to, to feel like they can have those conversations and they know what to do and how to pull in additional um, social workers or principals or other folks that um, have uh, more uh, uh, information and experience with how to handle this so that we can keep those students safe. Oh, good, good. Well, um, is this Blue Envelope program, is this something that's easily replicated at other practices? Has it been implemented at other practices that y'all have helped collaborate with or just provide them the basic steps? Yeah, I think it can be repl uh, replicable. Um, First, I think you have to set the right culture for your entire practice. You have to be open to uh, discussing behavioral health with your teams, your clinicians, your staff, and your patients. Um, a lot of folks, one of the barriers that's often identified is uh, a provider may say, I don't have the time in my practice to maybe uh, 
do the full assessment needed if a patient does identify as having uh, additional behavioral health needs. And so um, you, you really have to make sure that the culture is ready to help from a mental health perspective. Um, and, and then you, from there, you, you need to define your, your screening protocols, what ev evidence-based tools you'll need, what assessments you'll need, um, and train your entire team on how to utilize those pieces. One really helpful resource that's a national resource is the zero suicide um, uh, work that uh, this is, you can go on zerosuicide.org and find all those resources on uh, kind of the steps for implementing a zero suicide culture. And the, um, they give a really great examples on tools you can use. And so that might be helpful to some looking to begin some of this work. Okay. How are you measuring at Corwell Health? How are you measuring the success of this program? Yeah, no, that's a great question. We have um, started working with the state to get uh, state death reports to us. We then align those reports to internal data to take a look at um, proportions of our patients that are dying by suicide. We map this information uh, by zip code and county and take a look at you know, are there certain areas that have a higher propensity or not? And so we look at some of that trending. Um, so that's part of it. We also look at compliance to the process as one of our most uh, very critical success metric. Uh, we wanna make sure that when we're, we're using our algorithms, um, we are definitely keeping every patient as safe as possible and providing the, the appropriate interventions per their risk. And so we monitor, monitor that very closely. Okay. Now you had mentioned one of the wins um, you have had uh, during the pandemic is the use of technology. And I just want to address the really big picture view of what can the healthcare industry do better about suicide prevention? What can they do better about mental health and behavioral health treatment? What is it technology? Is there something else? What what can be done where we can help help people out there who are in need? Yeah. So ultimately, I think mental health has not necessarily gotten the amount of attention uh, that it has needed throughout the decades. This has been historically a space that's been really underfunded and left as an aside, maybe brushed under the table. Um, uh, there, there is a stigma. Um, there was a stigma. I think we're slowly picking right. away at it. And we've had a lot of success in our West Michigan community, at least. Um, so I think if we um, dedicate specific monies to invest in uh, mental health and um, really provide programming uh, around this, we can evolve um, the care extensively and have some success. Okay. So at MGMA, one of our major uh, mission statements is to transform healthcare. That's where we're dedicating our education, our research uh, this year. And I just want to know how this program, how you see it, uh, help, how it's helping transform healthcare. Sure. So I think transforming healthcare, to me, it means we're enhancing the quality of the life for all. And that means better health outcomes. Uh, we know that mental health has tremendous impacts 
to overall health outcomes. So by developing the suicide prevention program, um, hopefully I am making uh, an imprint onto impacting overall health outcomes. Um, right now we're looking at um, sharing the best practices that we've learned uh, through the implementation of this program and uh, providing that to our local communities, uh, our state, and also nationally uh, via various forums because we want other folks doing this work. Um, like I said, it takes a village, it takes a whole country, it will take the world for us to really make a, um, a significant improvement in mental health. Okay. Final question for you then. I want to just slightly switch gears, but um, we've all seen the studies. You've probably experienced it at y'all's practice, but healthcare workers are burned out. They're stressed out. They're overworked. They're, the practices are understaffed. This is causing a huge mental and emotional toll. So what are some habits, some practices that you would recommend that either you're engaged in personally or you're engaged in with your staff that you've uh, laid out for them that can that can help people just make some changes in in their lives so they can weather some of these tremendous burdens that are being placed on them. Yeah, no, that's a really great question and a very important one for everyone that works in healthcare. As we're seeing tremendous burnout, we're seeing lots of folks leaving the industry. Um, and so that's concerning uh, for our future. I think fundamentally we have to focus on our bodies and our minds, right? So the basics of eating well, um, getting enough sleep, uh, exercising, those are critical to start. Um, so if, we're, if there are gaps in any of those, I think it's challenging to make sure that our mental health care remains um, at a good point. For me personally, I also really try to focus on um, my mood and uh, give myself time to be grateful. There are so so many things in our daily lives that we are asked to cope with um, and reminding ourselves that it's not, our, our, our lives can feel like they're overwhelmed with bad news all the time, but there are lots of blessings. There's a lot of gratitude that um, I think we need to give to the good parts of our, our, our lives and uh, daily. And so um, that to me keeps me afloat. And hopefully um, that's what I try to instill in my staff members and providers also is, uh, yes, we have lots of challenges ahead, uh, but let's uh, spend a little bit of time reflecting on the positives um, because that can brighten our days. Okay, Natalia, I, I really appreciate, appreciate you joining the MGMA Insights podcast, sharing these thoughts with us, sharing these, this program that you've put into place. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Natalia Shigel, Director of Operations, Psychiatry and Behavioral Medicine at Corwell Health. Natalia is this year's recipient of the MGMA Harwick Innovation Award. We also want to thank Zoll Data Systems and Veridime for sponsoring this week's show. The Zoll AR Boost Solution Suite increases revenue from payers and patients in compliance with the No Surprises Act, while reducing front-end workload and freeing up staff for higher-value activities. Visit zoldata.com slash ARBoost to learn how you can ensure no payments are left on the table. Veridime PayerPath 
is an end-to-end revenue cycle management suite of solutions that interface seamlessly with all major PM systems. For more information, go to veradime.com. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. And to access all of our podcasts, go to mgma.com slash listen. And if you want to add to the conversation or suggest experts for us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks.